Welcome to the At TSN Hockey Every Other Friday Bobcast, featuring the original hockey insider, Bob McKenzie. Hey, that's me, answering your questions on hockey or just about anything else, within reason, of course. If you have a question you would like answered, email me at bobcast at bellmedia.ca. That's B-O-B-C-A-S-T at bellmedia.ca. And we'll try to get it on the Bobcast. We were a blowout of wicked proportions. An accidental company. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the At TSN Hockey Bobcast for, um, huh, it's a good question. What is this for? Well, I mean, we can use this week's date, the week of September 10th, 2018. But I don't even know what episode number to call this. I guess we'd call it season three. Yeah, season three. It's the third year we're doing it, so season three. But I'm not even sure you can call this a Bobcast in the traditional sense. So I'm not quite sure how to do the labeling. And to be honest, I have been giving a little bit of thought to the Bobcast, um, and I'm going to be giving much more thought to it. What form it should take this season? Should I even continue to do it? Trying to noodle around with a lot of stuff in my mind and sort through all of that. So for now, I guess, let's call this the Liar Liar Pants on Fire edition of the Bobcast. And, and savvy Bobcast listeners will know what I'm talking about. The last Bobcast I did was June 15th, 2018, right after the Cup Final and just before the NHL Awards and the Draft. And at, at the end of that one, um, which if I look back here was season two, episode 20, I suggested, and I should point out, I, it was not a promise, it was only a suggestion, that I might follow it up four or five days later with a mini Bobcast to um, sort of handle the overflow of team-related questions um, that I didn't get to that day. Well, you know, I got to Vegas for the awards, and, and I was busy with draft prep, amongst other things. The other things would be having dinner at Beauty in Essex in the Cosmopolitan. And by the way, if you ever happen to be in Las Vegas, and you happen to be in the Cosmopolitan Hotel, by all means, I'm urging you to go to Beauty in Essex. That's the restaurant, Beauty and Essex. Um, it's one of the best restaurants I've ever been to, bar none. And so, um, as I said, between Draft Rip and Beauty in Essex, the old mini Bobcast kind of fell through the cracks in Vegas. Sorry, not so sorry. The, the real apology, though, is that um, Season 2, Episode 21, which was supposed to be the final Bobcast of the 2017-2018 season, well, it, uh, it, it never got done. And, and quite frankly, I just ran out of time. That week leading up to free agency, I was running around like my hair was on fire. Everything also seemed to be so fluid in the days leading up to free agency that I really feared whatever I laid down on tape a few days before free agent frenzy would be dated so quickly. And I sure as hell wasn't going to come back after July 1 when I went on vacation and do a Bobcast. Anyways, one thing led to another. Finally, I had to say, F it, can't get it done. Sorry, actually sorry on that one. So um, all of our Bobcast listeners will be getting an absolutely full refund for me dropping the ball on episode 21 last late June. Uh, of course, since the Bobcast doesn't cost you anything at all, you're getting nothing unless maybe you count these uh, bonus Bobcasts I'm doing this week. And, and let's explain what the hell these are. Um, as I've sketched it out here, there are going to be seven of them, one each for uh, the, the, the seven Canadian teams. And, and I guess that these are more or less previews 
of what the opening day roster should look like for those seven Canadian teams. And I guess I want them to effectively replace the general manager interviews that I've done in the past number of years. Now, um, people will remember, and I've gone started the, the season every year for the last three, four, five years, whatever it is, um, going to Penticton in British Columbia for the Rookie Showcase Tournament. It was great. The Vancouver Canucks were there. The Jets were there. Uh, the Oilers, the Flames. So I had all four Western Canadian general managers all in one location. Uh, and I could zip in for like two days and, and bang out four in-depth sit-down interviews with the, the GMs. Well, this year the, the Canucks and Jets were there, but the Oilers and Flames weren't. They stayed in Alberta to do uh, sort of informal rookie games in their own area. And so... I just scrapped the whole Penticton trip. If I couldn't get all four GMs in one place, it, it became a little too difficult to do. Um, in the past, it was easy peasy. This year, not so much. So I didn't go to Penticton. And this year, instead, I, I spent the weekend uh, that I normally would have been in Penticton and then coming back to, to rookie tournaments in Toronto or Montreal. Um, I talked to the general managers uh, of the Western Canadian teams over the phone and as well as the coaches, and, and just basically tried to hammer down and, and get a feel for what their uh, their teams are going to look like. Now, you know, I, I view these as replacements for the general manager interviews, and some fans are going to get all up in my grill about the fact that I did interview Toronto Maple Leaf general manager Kyle Dubas last week, and uh, the, everybody's going to start with the whole, oh, you like the Toronto Sports Network, and we, we get all the time anyways, which is fine. But um, the, the two reasons I did the Dubas interview as a one-off, uh, as opposed to doing all the other guys, is that, number one, he's the new kid on the block, never interviewed Dubas, and uh, all the other general managers had been interviewed multiple times before. And number two, um, I could get in my car and drive downtown to get the interview with Dubas, and that's why it ended up being a really easy one-off for me. Um, but if you're a fan of the Canadian team um, outside of the Leafs, and I, and I will get to the Leafs eventually, um, then you've come to the right place for what I think is a really detailed look at your club as training camps get set to open this week. So whatever you want to call these, I do hope you enjoy them. And sometime over the next couple of weeks, I am going to take a little more time to think about the Bobcast, the form it was in last year, the form it should be in this year. Um, should I do it every week? Can I do it every week? Should I do it just stick to every other week? Should I interview people, have guests? I don't know. I, a lot of things to think about and uh, and whether it's even worth doing because, as I said, um, I just started doing the Bobcast out of the goodness of my heart. And so um, if it makes sense, I'll do it. And if it doesn't, I won't. But anyways, I'll think about all that. In the meantime, here's a preview of the Edmonton Oilers. I don't think it's entirely fair to say the Edmonton Oilers' only response to their abysmal non-playoff year was to come back this season with status quo. I mean, the Oilers do have, what, three new assistant coaches. They've got a new goaltender who could challenge Cam Talbot for a significant number of starts. And, um, you know, they did add two new forwards with NHL experience. And, of course, you should add that the returning players are coming back with a massive chip on their shoulders. But the reality is that general manager Peter Chiarelli um, actively chose to not make a blockbuster move in the off season. He decided not to shake things up or, in his words, overreact. Now, outside of goaltender, veteran goaltender Miko Koskinen coming over from the KHL and, and the, the two free agent acquisitions of Tobias Reeder and Kyle Brodziak, it is the same basic group that fell on its face last season that will be charged with the task of 
cleaning up their own mess of a year ago. And, and I think the way most people look at it, every year you have a Connor McDavid-led team that misses the playoffs. That is a crime against hockey humanity. And I think that would be especially true this season, especially after they didn't do it last season. I mean, McDavid's game is on its own level. And, and it would be absolutely criminal if the Oilers cannot find a way to surround him with enough talent to get this team back into the playoffs. So I guess we should start there. Who plays with McDavid? Um, well, to start, uh, head coach Todd McClellan is going to go back to what worked quite well in the albeit um, meaningless back half of the Oilers season. Um, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who's normally a center, is expected to be on McDavid's left side as he was late last season. And six-year pro Ty Ratty, who has, what, just 49 NHL games to his credit, um, is penciled in on the right side. Now, fair to say, that trio had some really nice chemistry last year, and Ratty put up some decent numbers playing alongside McDavid. Now, some would argue everybody would put up decent numbers alongside McDavid. The question that's going to be asked, and rightfully so, is will this trio's effort be sustainable in a stretch of games where the Oilers are not just playing out the string. And that, my friends, is what we're going to find out, I would imagine, starting with training camp. You know, what we what we do know, or what we think we know, is that one of the centers, traditional centers for the Oilers, Ryan Nugent Hopkins or Leon Dreisaitl, is going to be playing center, and one of them will be playing wing. And which one is which, I don't know. But certainly to start, it's RNH that's going to get the first line wing start, wing spot to start. And so that means Dreisaitl is going to slot in as a second line center behind McDavid. And Dreisaitl is expected to be flanked on the left side by Milan Lucic and the newcomer to Toby Reeder on the right side. So I guess I would say this. Questions abound on the Oilers' top six forwards. I mean, can Ratty be a full-time NHLer? If so, is he worthy to play with McDavid on a regular basis? Is RNH a winger or a center? Same question can be asked of Dreisaitl. Is Dreisaitl a center or a winger? Uh, here's an important one. Uh, this one, lots of talk in Edmonton over the summer about this one. Can Milan Lucic rebound from an abysmal season that was punctuated by him asking for a trade, one which he didn't get, although if you talk to the right people, by all accounts, his mind, his spirit, his body are all fully ready to embrace the challenge of bouncing back this season for the Oilers. Another question, can Reeder make an appreciable offensive contribution in a significant offensive role playing on that second line? Um, I guess the Lucic situation is going to be as fascinating as any, and the Oilers do desperately need him to not be a diminishing asset as he was last season. Um, outside of the top six, I think the Oilers have gotten to the point now where they look at it and say, you know what, Ryan Strom's locked in as the third-line center. And I think the Oilers have stopped trying to think of him as the replacement goal scorer for the departed Jordan Eberle, which was originally how it was built um, when Eberle departed and, and Strom came in. And I think they've begun to start looking at Strom for what he is. That is, a solid third-line center who, as the season we're on last year, got comfortable in that role, who can kill penalties, and still has a modicum of offensive ability. Um, at this point, it seems like uh, Jujar Kahara will play the left side with Strom, and Yessi Pugliarvi uh, is the best candidate for the right side. It uh, goes without saying the Oilers are hoping Pugliarvi 
is ready to take another step. And he has shown some progression. There's no question about that. And they don't want to burden him with the unrealistic expectations of taking that massive quantum leap forward and filling the net. But I think it's fair to say they're also hopeful he is going to be a lot more comfortable and, and could stay, take another significant step this season. Um, as we mentioned of the, the free agent acquisitions, Kyle Brodziak is a, is a big presence, veteran anchor on the fourth line in the middle. Uh, he'll provide some lowercase leadership. Um, when I say lowercase leadership, I, I mean in the bottom half of the lineup. And he could potentially have a very big role on the penalty kill. Um, our guess at this point is that Speedy Drake Kajula will be on the left side and uh, the physical presence of the veteran Zach Cassian on the right. Um, for now, when you talk about the top 12 forwards on the Edmonton Oilers, I don't think anyone's automatically penciling in Kyler Yamamoto, who's their 2017 first rounder, who started the season in a blaze of glory last year, but um, quickly over time, proved that he wasn't ready for the National Hockey League, went back to Spokane. Um, Pontus Auberg, who came over as a trade deadline acquisition um, at the deadline, is another guy who's not penciled into a set position. But I think the Oilers are hopeful that one or both of these guys could come in and create enough competition and maybe push someone else over the job, especially Yamamoto. He's got the offensive chops to deliver. The question is, is he ready right now? Um, maybe yes, maybe no. But, um, you know, in a perfect world, a guy like Yamamoto would be pushing Raddy or Reeder or Pooley-Arvey for some offensive minutes. And uh, that kind of competition would only help the Oilers as far as scoring some goals. You know, if you, um, if you squint really hard, you can imagine a lot of good things happening here. I mean, R&H, McDavid, Raddy, the line clicks. It's going great. Lucic rebounds. You know, Reeder scores 15, 20, 25 goals. Uh, Pooley-Arvey takes that step and scores a few more goals, gets a push from Yamamoto, and maybe Yamamoto steals a spot in the lineup and, and starts putting the puck in the net. But you know what? As, as much as you can imagine all that happening, it's also not that difficult to, to envision. Maybe that first line doesn't fire on all cylinders, and they've got to get the mixed master out and enter Leon Dreisaitl onto McDavid's right side. Um, you know, maybe Lucic continues to trend in the wrong direction. Maybe Reader's a 10-goal scorer, closer to a 10-goal scorer than a 20-goal scorer. Maybe Pugliarvi just spins his wheels and stands pat. And so I think what you're looking at here up front with the Oilers is a very precarious balance. Um, this thing has the ability to get much better. It also has the ability to, to maybe be as off track as it was last year. Um, although they're certainly not banking on that. Uh, on the blue line, I, I think the biggest reason to believe, or certainly the Oilers' biggest reason to believe, it will be improved, is simply because Oscar Clefbaum is going to be healthier than he was last year, and Adam Larson will simply put behind him a, a really difficult year for him, both on and off the ice, and that obviously included the tragic passing of his father. Now, that, that pair was top-notch in the, in the playoffs, of 2017, you know, and, and that's the kind of form that Shirelli and McClellan and the Oilers staff envision them getting back to. And if they can regain that form, it would certainly go a long way towards writing the ship in Edmonton. Uh, if not, oof, Oilers fans don't even want to consider what that might look like. I think Darnell Nurse made some nice strides last season, and assuming he gets signed, um, he would pair with Matt Benning to round out the top four. 
Um, and, and I thought Benning, after a bit of a slow start last year, he, he his game started to round into better form as well. Now, by all accounts, Nurse's contract negotiations are not going well at all. So we'll have to wait and see on that. But um, big picture, assuming he's back, um, you know, they're expecting some significant top four minutes for him. If he misses any time, either, you know, regular season games or even training camp for that matter, uh, that could be a really big problem for the Oilers. And and this is where Andre Sekera is really missed. Now, you'll recall that he blew out his knee um, in 2017 playoffs and missed more than half of last season because of that. And when he came back, he obviously wasn't nearly as effective coming off stuff, such a significant injury. Um, now he's going to miss much of this, much of the start of this season after he ruptured his Achilles in off-season training. So th- this is a huge loss on a blue line for a team that is very thin there to begin with. And it also minimizes, your, you know, you start to lose faith in the expectation for what Sakura can deliver. Because when you don't get a, a full summer of training, when when you're coming off uh, a blown-out knee, when you're coming off a ruptured Achilles, and you're coming in in mid-season, um, it's tough to play catch-up, especially for a guy in his 30s. And uh, so that that's uh, that's a tough one for Edmonton. Uh, Chris Russell, um, everybody's favorite discussion point. Will uh, he'll either be the left side or right side third pair guy, and the battle for that other spot um, is wide open. Uh, Jacob Yarabek uh, started with Montreal. The 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 chap who came over from the KHL. He's a, a good puck mover, some offensive upside. He's going to get a long, long look there, and I think. Um, so will the offensive-minded youngster Ethan Bear, who came up and, and played well at times, uh, although still fairly raw. I think he got into 18 games last season, showed a little something-something that there might be something there to build on, whether he's ready or not. For full-time duty remains to be seen. Same can be said, obviously, for 2018 first-rounder Evan Bouchard of the London Knights. Now he's a late birthday, so he has played three full years of junior hockey. Um, this guy's a top-notch passer. Um, he's smart. He, uh, he can, he's not a blinding speed, but he gets by and he, he finds the right guy to make the play to. He's got a good shot from the point. So I'll, I'll be curious to see how, um, he does in training camp. If he gets his nine games and what he does with that, um, other possibilities, uh, as you look at the depth role, uh, Caleb Jones, Kevin Gravel, uh, amongst others. And I, I think whatever way you slice it, there are a fair number of question marks, on this Euler blue line to start the season. And it all starts and ends with, can Clefbaum and Larson be a lot better than they were last year? Goaltending, of course, will be very interesting. I mean, two seasons ago, Talbot was, he was a Vezina caliber stopper, you know, 70 plus games. Uh, yet he struggled badly at times last year. Um, he's in the final year of his contract and the Oilers are banking on a rebound season, but they also upped their insurance policy in the form of 30-year-old, six-foot-seven, uh, KHL veteran uh, Miko Koskinen, um, he's in on a one-year, one-way deal, um, and you've still got Al Montoya kicking around in the picture as a, as a veteran backup. Uh, I think it would be uh, obvious to say the Oilers don't really give a damn who gives them top-notch goaltending, as long as one of them does it, or between two of them, they get the job done. You know, if Koskinen pushes Talbot back to his uh, his performance of, of uh, two seasons ago, that's great. That Koskinen is well worth the money as a catalyst then. And if, if Koskinen comes in and the uh, uh, the New York Islanders second-round pick from many moons ago 
um, gets the job done himself and, and Talbot's on the shelf, so be it. Um, the Oilers cannot afford to be fussy about who gives them the goaltending so long as they get it. I think it's going to be a fascinating season in Edmonton, and it would certainly seem to me that um, the general manager, Peter Shirelli and the head coach, Todd McClellan, are definitely working without a safety net here. I mean, in my mind, the way I look at it, and I think the way most fans look at it, fans and media, the Oilers must, capital M, must be better this year. Ownership expects it, the fans, the media, because I don't think there's any way you can rationalize another season as poor as the one they had last year. Not with McDavid in his prime. And not after a summer when the basic message from ownership on down was, we believe in this group. We believe in the GM. We believe in the head coach. We believe in the core of this hockey team. All of them, we believe. So, I mean, now it's, now it's time to see if that faith will be rewarded. Okay, that's it for the At TSN Hockey Every Other Friday Bobcast. Hope you enjoyed today's show. If you would like to submit a question on hockey or just about anything else, email it to bobcast at bellmedia.ca. That's B-O-B-C-A-S-T at bellmedia.ca, and we'll try to get it on the next Bobcast. Be sure to follow me on Twitter. That's At TSN Bob McKenzie. And for great hockey coverage all year round, follow the At TSN Hockey Twitter account and make tsn.ca your source for all things hockey, especially for the Tuesday and Thursday editions of Insider Trading with myself, Darren Dreger, and Pierre Lebrun. Thanks for tuning into the Bobcast. See you next time, and have a great weekend.